Hi, everyone. Quick plug before we get started. As many of you probably already know who listen to this podcast, we've launched an app. It's called Vivio. It tracks your sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset and gives you individualized recommendations on a daily basis on how to get healthier, to improve your well-being, and to perform to your potentials. If you want to check it out, visit vivio.com, V-I-I-V-I-O.com. Thanks so much. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome back. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the podcast this week. I am talking to Ramon David, host of the Brain First podcast. This is actually an interview that he did with me where we explore a lot about what's been happening lately and we do a deep dive into the concepts of rest, refocus and recharge, explore the ideas that we have talked about before in a previous episode that I posted with Ramon, but this time we went a lot deeper and really got super pragmatic and practical, which is why I wanted to share this episode with you directly. If you want to check out his podcast, and he's been posting a lot about CBD oil lately, talking a lot about sleep, uh, behavior change. There's lots of really cool stuff on his podcast that you might want to check out. It's at RamonDavid.com. Uh, and if you want to dig into that or sort of get a feel for it, you can obviously just listen to this episode, which is why we cross share our podcasts when we do them uh, and get them up on each other's shows just to make sure that we can share as many different ideas with you as possible. All right. No further delays. Let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Ramon David all about rest, refocusing and recharging. Great to have you here. Hey, buddy. Good to, <laughs> yeah, it's good to speak to you. It's nice to connect, see a face live on Zoom. Like, just it's good to see you again, man. Missed yeah, you. Yeah, hope, yeah. Good, hope you're doing okay. Yeah, it's what a what a crazy last year. It is like March of last year, and we're in uh, we're in June, and yeah, it's bonkers, right? Like, it's just been way too long, and it's just been a weird time. And every time that you think that you're through it, you're not, and I think it's wearing on everyone, but uh, anyway, we're getting through it and just getting outside as much as possible and training and <laughs> just doing lots of video calls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting through it. Was was there a time when you were unable to do any training? Like was isolation and, and the restrictions to the extent where you couldn't get outside much? And Yeah, early on in Canada in the first month, it was actually, you were confined at home. And if you went outside, the there's a lot of police walking around. They're like, what are you doing out? I was like, walking my dog. And they're like, all right, hurry up. So, you know, you couldn't go for a walk. You couldn't go for, I mean, we did a few bike rides early on. And I remember even just saying when I was out with my buddies, we were like, look, we're just going to have to be like far apart, even when we stop at the stoplights, because if anyone comes by, it's like a $2,000 ticket for being Jeez. you know close to people outside. So it definitely had a negative effect early on on but to be honest with you in the last six months we have been outdoors more cycling more climbing more running more swimming more we're just doing it all outdoors so we've really my family at least is totally pivoted to it like it doesn't matter what the restrictions or lockdowns are we're outside we're in the woods we're climbing we're running we're cycling because it was just having far too much of a negative effect upon us. And I like fully recognize that I'm privileged enough to live in a place where I can have access to all of, of those things and disappear into, into the woods with my family where there's no one else around. 
So lately, I actually think that all of us are pretty crazy fit, but definitely in the first three months of the pandemic, it was not good. And that had a real negative effect upon our health and well-being. Fortunately, last summer, which is, you know, May, June, July, August, it did open up outdoors, but then it shut down hard in September. And um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we basically moved to a place. I moved to a little tiny town in the middle of the mountains where there's nobody else around so that we could be outside all the time. I took sort of desperate measures to make sure that we weren't going to go through another winter like the one we had previously. Yeah. And what a difference it's made, right? Yeah, it's been, you know, I'll just sort of focus on the positive side of things like having my family, especially my kids who are five and 11 outdoors for two to three hours a day in the woods, playing in the trees next to the river, wherever it happened, wherever we happen to go on any, on any given day, you know, on the trails with the mountain bikes. Uh, and they didn't know how to ride before we got here. So we taught them how oh, to wow. ride, you know, like in the pool, which fortunately is open. So we've been in the pool a ton and, you know, all social distancing, staying away from everyone, following all of those rules. But the amazing effect that that has had upon my kids and me uh, and Judith is really amazing, right? Like to see all of us recovering, regenerating, dissipating the stress of the several years before that, where we were in the rat race of Toronto, which is like Sydney and, you know, go, 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 hustle, 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 work, 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 race to school to swim practice, to gymnastics, to music. And then Judith racing back and forth from her medical clinic and, you know, me flying all over the world to speak like to, we've all been in the same spot for 14 months. We've been together for 14 months. There's not been a lot to do. And the fact that that is, we've adapted to it and we're now actually doing better. We're now more rested. We're now much less stressed. And I'm very fortunate. My job pivoted to digital. So we're cool. Although Judith's been unemployed since the start. So brutal for her. She hates it. So it's, it's, there's definitely been some good and bad, but in terms of like our overall physical health, I actually think we're in a really great place and it's been good for us. And the outdoors in nature has been like a total game changer for us. I think that's been a really key factor. After uh, moving to Sydney, when did I move? September, I think. So inner city, uh, it's definitely a different, there's uh, definitely a, a change of pace uh, but I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be locked down like some people are in major cities where, you know, you can't go outside. And, and for all our listeners who perhaps don't know about Australia and how we've done with the COVID situation, it's been very mild. I think there are a couple of weeks where we might have, might have needed to have worn masks in shops and in Ubers and things like that. But other than that, it's it's almost felt like it's non-existent in Sydney. Uh, in some places like Melbourne, it's completely different. But in Sydney, it's like you wouldn't even know that anything was any different. Um, wow. So especially for, like, for the last couple of months. <laughs> but definitely a, definitely a change of pace going in a city. But I know for a lot of people who are in a city and there are restrictions and, you know, they're in isolation because I've been receiving messages from a lot of people over the last uh, few months, desperate for help, for resources. They're lonely, they're miserable. Uh, the level of anxiety is through the roof. The not knowing what's going to happen, what are we going to do with our lives, particularly for people who have lost jobs and things like that. Like it must be tough for a lot of people, particularly if they can't get outside and they can't exercise and they can't do the things that they're used to doing. And particularly like a lot of our, a lot of our audiences 
carried over from the health and fitness days. And so they're used to being very active on a, on a day-to-day basis. Like it's tough for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm in a great place. We have space to move around, access to a gym, access to the pool, but I'm, you know, and I'm not confined to a 400 square foot or hundred square meter apartment in downtown with no parks. And I know so many people are in that state and they're not allowed to go out and you're not, you know, you're on zoom calls all day. Like it, it's, it's been extremely hard for a lot of people. And you mentioned the increasing rates of anxiety. It's interesting that before the pandemic, the, the major mental health concern was depression. Now at this stage of the pandemic, it's definitely anxiety. And that, that I've heard that from several psychologists we've had on my podcast uh, with numbers in their practices, skyrocketing of people and kids who are struggling with, with anxiety, but the overall feeling that I believe most people are experiencing right now is a sensation of burnout, just exhaustion, overreaching. They've just had it. That's because of a combination of obviously the pandemic, learning how to function in a digital, purely digital virtual business world, and just the length of time that this has taken. And so we are in a state where people are not sleeping great. They're missing loved ones. Uh, we're not able to connect. It's such a big one. In person with the people that we're, right? It's just like a community has been taken away. We need to, we need to now get back to uh, an integrated world, again, as fast as we possibly can, which obviously means, in my, my opinion, vaccination and getting that rolled out as much as possible, but then also leveraging getting outdoors into the sun. We know that has a positive effect upon the immune system, eating super healthy food, getting lots of exercise, like, you know, managing stress. So it's a combination of this medical approach with the vaccines, but also I think an opportunity for a lifestyle approach around how we manage ourselves and commit to health and well-being as a strategy for reopening the world, which I think is completely missing in the discussion largely. It's been purely focused on vaccines where we know that there's other things that contribute as well. So, yeah, I think that there's hopefully going to be a lot more discussion in the future about overall holistic health and well-being that enables us to live so much better in the future and become more resistant and resilient to these types of things, because this will not be the last pandemic that we're faced with in our lifetimes. So, uh, yeah, just think, lots of things happening. And I think there's a path forwards, but it's going to take a slight shift in our thinking to make that happen. In uh, your book, uh, I know one of the things that you say, this is the um, for our listeners, this is Greg's uh, latest book, Rest, Refocus, Recharge. Uh, you say we're still living in the best time or yeah, we're living in the best time in human history. I absolutely would agree with that. Even, even like with this last, you know, 12 to 18 months, I think, you know, relatively speaking, like compared to you know the black plague and these sorts of things, like it's just, it, it, there's no comparison. Um, but many people are exhausted and struggling and, and unhappy uh, and you outline these five sacrifices that we're making. We're sacrificing health for wealth, quality for quantity, response, ability for reaction, attention for distraction, and internal motivation for external rewards. Have uh, are these things? I mean, I'm sure they're still true. Have any of them shifted, or is there an emphasis on some over the others during this last twelve to eighteen months that you've noticed? What I really think is that. 
with all of those sacrifices that I think society was making prior to COVID, one of the interesting things we've discovered in COVID, uh, these COVID times, is that we don't need to be doing all of those rush, 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 hustle, 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 go, go, go things all the time. And lo and behold, when you don't do that, you have more time for your family. Maybe you're not commuting. So you have an extra hour to two hours a day where you can get in a workout or go for a walk, or you're not racing around in the car to get to a meeting. You can do the meeting on Zoom. And we're doing too many Zoom meetings. <laughs> we don't do all Zoom meetings in the future. Um, but I think there's a balance to be struck there. And I think that we've discovered that there are some things that are very, very important that we really value now that maybe we didn't realize that we could prioritize in our life, time with family. You know, frankly, I know that before the pandemic, when I was traveling so much, flying all over the world, I barely saw my son and he was five. And when it, the pandemic first hit and I was home all the time, I literally had to build a relationship with him because, you know, I was around, but I was working. So I'd only get home at seven at night. I was on the road two to four days a week. So there was all that. I would not trade it for the world because I now have an awesome, close, deep, constant contact with him from five years old to, you know, six in a bit now, six and a half. So it's been an absolute game changer. You know, the fact I've been able to take my daughter to and from all of her swim practices for the last six months is it has been great. We've had so many conversations to and from the pool. We stop for dinner every Wednesday night and go out for or take out sushi and have that, you know, just wherever we happen to be sitting sometimes just in the car. And I wouldn't trade that as well. We've had dinners with family. I've been training so much more because I'm not driving mm-hmm. 90 minutes a day. Uh, So, yeah, I think that the fundamental shift is that I think we've actually discovered more about what really matters to us. In some cases, that's because it's not accessible. I can't see my friends. I can't see my family. So that we now know we really need that community connection, but we don't have it right now. So when it comes back, we're going all in on that. Right. But yeah, yeah, I think that there's been a, a real, real shift in what we know is important to us. And the fact that if we choose to make it a priority, and live our lives a certain way that we can continue to access that and have it as an important part of our lives moving forwards, even when we do reach herd immunity and all of the restrictions are uh, eliminated, which will occur at some point in the future. So I think it's a huge opportunity for us not to think about quote unquote, returning to normal, but to put a lot of effort, energy and attention into reimagining the future and what we want that actually to look like. Like legit on a day-to-day basis, exactly what do you want to be doing? Do you want to go to work five days a week? Do you want to go to work one day a week or maybe three or not at all? Like you need to know the answer to those questions so that you can chart a path forwards, have the conversations that you need to have to be able to craft the life you want to have moving forwards. And I think that's far more in our control than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. Let's let's talk about this path forward, the path to health and high performance. Where do we start? Well, I think the first thing, and I did, I sort of started in the same place with both the ripple effect book and the rest of focus recharge. And that is, we just need to get great sleep. We know that when we're sleeping well, the immune system works better. We recover better for our workouts, growth hormone 
gets released, which repairs and regenerates all the tissues in your body. Glial, the glial lymphatic system works inside your brain to repair and regenerate your, your brain tissue. We know that we regulate leptin and ghrelin, which helps control your appetite and satiety. So you make better decisions around food. We know that sleep is involved in mental health, depression, anxiety. So that's by far the foundation, but then we can actually begin to deliberately insert rest, recovery, regeneration into our days. Because I think a lot of us spend so much of our time in hustle, 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 go, 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 frantic mode, blowing through our email, you know, living in our calendars, look, checking our to-do lists, just ticking things off. And that's fine because we need to get stuff done. The problem is we've been in that mode constantly all the time for 14 months and now we're all shattered and burned out. And if I was to put electrodes on your brain, on your head, your scalp and measure your brain activity, when you're in that hustle mode, we produce what's called beta brainwaves cycles and they're electrical pattern, 16 to 30 Hertz. And again, great for hustle and performance and execute execution, but really bad for our long-term mental health. If we do things that enable us to slow down <sighs> the birthday candle breaths, the meditation, the walking outside, listening to music, spending time in nature, sitting and reading a book, we can slow our brainwaves down and enter into what's called an alpha brainwave state, which is when we learn, we can think strategically, we're reflective. And if you slow down even further beyond that into deep relaxation, sort of like daydreaming almost, that's when you access creativity, innovation, problem solving, eureka moments. So I believe that really deliberately crafting a future for ourselves where we are working for sure. You got to get stuff done. You got to perform. You got to execute. You got to do your thing. Like you and I are doing right now. We're both in beta mode. It's cool. We're recording a podcast, but after this, maybe we journal what went well, what could have gone better. Uh, we go for our workouts. We get fit tomorrow morning. We wake up before the sun rises, read a book, do some reflection. At the end of the day, we do our gratitude journaling. All of those things fit into change your state so you can access these other possibilities in terms of what we can accomplish and do. So I think that's really my vision for how I want to move forwards in my life. And hopefully we can share that idea with a lot of people and get them to consider that maybe there's a different path forwards for them as well. Mm -hmm. So for people who are just getting started out, um, you mentioned sleep, rest, critically important. What are, what are some of the things that you're doing lately to improve the quality of your sleep and to get more rest? Um, to get more rest, what Judith and I have been talking about is the one, two, three rule. So we're trying to do one hour a day for ourselves, something positive, not work related. So it could be a run. It could be going and sitting in a freezing cold river, which I did the other day. <laughs> so cold. Oh my God. It was so cold. Could be reading a book. Could be walking, watching a documentary. I just watched a documentary on Elon Musk the other day. That was super cool. Could be spending time with the kids in the forest. But one hour a day, something for you that elevates you in your life. Then we want to spend two days a month. So one weekend a month, completely off. We turn off the devices. We're not connected. We're not. We're just simply doing only things that we love to do. Long hikes, long bike rides, plant, building a Lego Star Destroyer. 
like we did with Adam recently. Oh, nice. But like really, yeah, I mean, it was, it's massive. It took us a long yeah. time. What, about 6,000 um, pieces I, or something, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Uh, my wife hates Lego. It was the biggest Lego set that you can get, which speaks to how much she loves Adam and I, that she allowed that to happen. But anyway, we're building it. And uh, we only dropped it once and had to start over once, but still pretty super cool. So yeah, that long weekend once a month, just to completely recharge and dig into your passions and spend time with the people that you love. And then the third piece of the puzzle around the number three. So one hour a day, two days a month, three weeks a year, where we take a real vacation. And at this point of the pandemic, I think a lot of us probably haven't taken vacation. I know I haven't. Like, why take it when you're stuck at home? I think now you can start planning Mm. and think about, you know, next summer, when can I take three weeks off and whether it's go camping or go to a resort or something, we're looking and seeking to find a real vacation where we completely unplug and really bring ourselves back to life. I mean, reality is it's probably looking at December for me, maybe even March. I don't care because I'm already envisioning it. I don't know where I want to go. I'm going to be surfing. I do anything else. I'm not bringing my phone, <laughs> putting on the autoresponder. I am offline for three weeks because I need it. And I think the whole world is ready for that as well. So, I mean, that's one of the big, big strategies we've been trying to talk about is the one, two, three rule, just in terms of getting rest built into, into our life. What about uh, the quality of your sleep? What have you noticed since you've been using uh, the app? Has, have, has sleep improved? Like what, what have you been doing there? Oh my gosh. Like the, the quality of sleep for our family has gotten so much better. Uh, I've been using the Aura ring for a long time. That's sort of how I got started in it. I've recently pivoted to the Vivio app that we created in my lab and uh, my company. Uh, so that's for Apple watch. So we're, you know, leveraging all of the sensors and Apple watch to be able to track sleep. It's super cool and interesting and fun seeing so much there. I've discovered that there's a couple things that make a massive difference for me. The first one is my bedtime alarm. Like knowing that I need to start thinking about sleep at nine 30 is the single most important thing I need to do because I'm now trying to not to wake up to a, to an alarm in the morning. I set my morning alarm for the last possible second when I can wake up and not get fired. But if I wake up earlier, it's like hopefully, you know, natural. So the bedtime alarm is the, is a key. We've got blackout blinds everywhere. So when we do go to sleep, it is pitch black. That is huge. And we've really been working hard as a family on defending our last hour, no technology in the hour before sleep. That's super hard, especially for my daughter. Now that she's like 11, 12, you know, starting to get connected to her friends. We're not at home. So she's FaceTiming people like it's hard for all. And I'm, you know, I, there's lots of interesting stuff that you can learn about and watch, but getting off those devices is just so critical um, to give your brain a break so it can downshift and you can fall asleep quickly and, and a little bit more effectively. So yeah, that's been the main things we've been working on, but I would say overall as a family, especially for the initial part of COVID, the first three to four months, I just, we just let our kids sleep as long as they wanted. They slept and we missed school and we didn't care uh, because we, we discovered we as a family were so tired and it took us so long, like months to get out of that deep fatigue from just running relentlessly all the time in that high performance, you know, achieve mentality and, and lifestyle that we were, that we were in. And so I think we're really going to make an effort to stick with that moving forwards is to prioritize rest and recovery, 
sleep in on the weekends. Funny enough, both kids have grown like six inches during the last year, I think, because they're sleeping so much and they've spent so much time outside in the forest. So who knows what's going on there? Maybe they, they drank some Ent water for Lord of the Rings fans. But yeah, anyway, so sleep has been critical. Defend your last hour, blackout blinds, bedtime alarms, be consistent. And that's made a huge difference and we're going to stick with it moving forwards. Yeah, yeah. People think I'm I'm super strange for having a bedtime alarm but no wake-up alarm. I'm like, guys, <laughs> game changer, seriously. <laughs> it's so huge. And actually, if you look at um, iOS, I'm sure this is the same on Android. And if you go to the clock app, you will notice that the middle button at the bottom is alarm. And if you click on alarm, you can set the sleep and wake up time. If you set that, you'll notice that there's, you can actually set up your bedtime alarm and your morning alarm. So even some of these devices are now enabling you to actually set that bedtime alarm as part of the alarm feature itself. So they're queuing into this as well, which is super interesting. And I think actually really good because it's just making it more accessible for everybody. Right. So Mm, mm. yeah, definitely something you can use. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, I think it makes a little sound when it comes on, ding, 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 like yeah. the ready for bed. <laughs> and then the whole thing, like the do not disturb goes on, like it blocks everything out. Yeah, Yeah, and it, I think it also turns on for me um, the blue light blocking. So yes, it turns off blue yes. light on all the devices, which is cool too. My daughter stole my my blue blocking glasses, so she's got those. I got to do it other ways. But yeah, there's a lot of little things that you can do like that just to slowly hack your way into this dimmer switches were important for us at home. We installed dimmer switches on all of our lights to be able to replicate the sun going down in our home. Sunrise um, inevitably at some point, da, da, da. Yep. right? Yep. So we're simulating <laughs> the sunrise it. and the sun sunset. <laughs> so it's just like all of these little things come together to in a digital world, in a connected world, in a electric world where we have infinite light at all times, enable us to follow and replicate the natural cycles of the light dark cycle of the sun. And when we do that, my gosh, you feel so much better. And it's hard initially because it feels weird, but if you can do it and commit to it, it's pretty amazing. Mm. I remember way back in uh, health and fitness days, like 20 years ago, had early morning clients. Um, and actually shortly after that, when I moved to London and it's, you know, pitch black until, 9am in, in winter and, you know, having 6am clients and having to get up at like 5am, that sunrise simulator was a game changer. Like it made such yeah. a difference. They had, you know, it was an old, um, I don't know if you remember a brand, it was a Philips when they've, I think they were the first ones to bring out the sunrise simulator, this Philips yeah. thing and it kind of sat next to your bed and it just got brighter and brighter and just started to glow. Like it's just great. Yeah, I think they still make them actually. So oh, do they? definitely something that, yeah, I think definitely to check that out for people if they want to look at it. Mm-hmm. So like th- there are endless hacks and I'm sure we could talk all day about uh, all the different things that we could do. But why are many people still not doing these things, particularly if they're aware of them? You know, they listen to podcasts, they read the articles, they have all these health hacks and, and you know, let's um, keep it on the topic of sleep and rest for now. But why are they still not implementing a lot of these things? Why, why do people struggle here? I think because it's overwhelming. There's so much to do. There's so many hacks. There's so much information that it, it's like, well, where do I even start? Or I'm busy. I've got two kids. I'm running around. Like, I don't have time for all of this. It's ridiculous. Or what's the point? I'm, you know, all, and so I, I encourage people to think about 
the idea that I picked up from, I think it was David Goggins, who's a retired Navy SEAL. And he said something really interesting at one point, and I think it was his, or maybe it was Jocko Willink, I can't remember, but that action precedes motivation. Motivation does not precede action. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting because a lot of us think that we got motivated and we do something. When in fact, the reality is you do something, you like it, you know, I'm going to do more of that. So when it comes to working out or getting exercise, for example, the more you work out, the more you become addicted to it and the easier it gets, the more fun it becomes and the more you want to do it. But let's face it, those first few workouts, when you get up off the couch after not doing something for however long it's been, suck. (laughs) it is not good. Like it doesn't feel good. It sucks. You want to puke, your legs rub together. Like you've got the cold sweats at night when you're lying in bed, you you wake up the next day, you're like, it's a design, probably like turning off anyone that's thinking about, you know, starting to work out again. But three (laughs) weeks later, yeah. You're like, oh, wait a second. I feel pretty good. Right. And then you go out and you're like, wait a second. That run was easy. Like, you know, like I want to do that more. Or you go for a ride and instead of getting dropped by your friends, you're like, oh, wait a second. I made it up that hill and I'm still in the group. Or you go for a swim and your back feels good after you're done. Or you do that meditation session and you truly feel that your mind is quiet for a couple of minutes and you are able to just be just be. And you're like, wow, I want more of that. In terms of like, why do people don't do it? I think it's overwhelming. There's too much going on, too many hacks. And so I wouldn't worry about doing a lot. If you're listening, you're like, how do I get started? Or how do I improve? Or do I need to put all of these ideas in? I would pick one, do one for three months, one plant-based meal a week, a walk with your family on the weekend, one book a week, like whatever it happens to be, does not matter what it is. We're just looking for micro wins consistently over time, added up together, which creates exponential returns when you compound them over a longer period of time. So don't worry about paralysis by analysis. There's infinite things you can do on the internet to learn about all of these things. But the reality is you just need to do one. And if you do one, it's going to get better and better and better. I remember many years ago, I was doing a program and one of the people in the program asked me, oh, Greg, I love all the stuff you talk about, but I'm really concerned about quitting smoking. I was like, okay, cool, legit. You should probably quit smoking. And like, so do you have any recommendations or someone I can speak to? I was like, well, how about we don't even worry about you quitting smoking right now? How about you start going, join a running room group and start doing the running 5K training program for running. They're like, yeah, but I like, I I want to quit smoking. I'm like, don't worry about the smoking. Let's start jogging. Let's start walking. I think it was actually. And like, what, why? I was like, just trust me, go with it. They started walking. As soon as they started walking consistently, they were like, I can't keep smoking. I feel it's just like, now I understand. I don't want to smoke anymore. And eventually they were able to quit. But it's these other little things that we do that create the, what we refer to as the ripple effects that then add up over and over and over again in our lives to create these massive changes. You know, I had another client who I was speaking to at one point, senior executive at a bank and single mom, daughter, super upset about the fact that she wasn't connecting with her daughter, very, very busy, um, wasn't getting into shape, you know, all those sorts of things. It's like life was overwhelming. And, you know, she's like, so what do I, you know, what should I eat? All those sorts of things. Don't worry about it. Let's just do one thing. How about you go play squash with your daughter once a week on Sunday afternoon? Because your daughter likes squash. 
I was like, that's it. Nothing else. You two just go play squash once a week. That's all you're going to do. Soon enough, they started doing it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. They started cooking together. They then started taking cooking classes. She then started eating better. She made two meals, took one to work with her the next day. Right. So it just sort of cascades through your life. I wouldn't even worry about the fact that if, you know, if anyone's listening, like, yeah, I know I've heard all of his stuff, but I just can't seem to make any progress. Like, that's okay. We are where we are. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Pick one thing to do for the next three months. Do only that. Don't worry about anything else. And then we'll see what happens. I promise you good things will come from that. It's so, it's so key. It's something that I talk to my students about all the time. Something that I did with my um, health and fitness clients over a decade. And I think it's one of the problems with many of these really big full transformation programs that go for six or eight weeks and they sign people up and it costs them a lot of money and they try and change 74 different things all at once. It's too much. And then they wonder why after the six or eight weeks, they just go back to all their old patterns because none of them have been uh, established as habits. It's like, just, no man, just pick one thing. If you can just do one thing, even if like going and exercising for an hour, four days a week is too much, just go and do it for 15 minutes, establish the habit first, and then 100%. you can stack on top of that. Like I think we really need to push to drive this point. There's really, I'm so, so pumped on this topic. There's really cool research from University College London about habit formation that shows mm. that uh, habit formation takes anywhere from 20 to 120 days with the median number being 66. So you think about that, it's 120 days to make a new habit. It's a long time. It's four months, mm. right? So mm. easy ones is three weeks, but the tougher ones is four months, median being 30, 66. So let's say two months. So we really do need to just do that one little tiny thing and stick with it, be consistent, put all your effort and energy into that one thing. Once that becomes automatic or you reach the point of automaticity, as Robin Sharma would say, uh, then we can reallocate that energy to something else, something to perform better at that thing or start the next habit. Um, all of which, by the way, is described in The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, another great book for anyone that wants to check that one out and dig into this a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So we're sleeping better. We're getting more rest. We've selected maybe you know one needle mover that is going to uh, increase the quality of our life in this department. What's next? What's the next thing that we might want to tackle? Well, I think the next thing is the downshift from beta into alpha. So we're deliberately recovering on a daily basis. We're deliberately slowing down and introducing some time on an ideally daily basis to do the learning, thinking, thinking about how you think, and that reflection. So this is the journaling practice. Uh, I met Richard Branson a few years ago. He never goes anywhere without his journal. So it's, this is an ubiquitous strategy for high performers. It's where you do the gratitude journaling at the end of the day, five bullet points at the end of every day, about things you're grateful for, super powerful. Um, this is where we do the dream mapping, you know, describing how you want your life to be in a year, three years, five years in great detail. That's why I have a stack of colored pens next to my desk at all times and a big, huge art tablet where I draw things constantly about you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm planning. Yeah. And with that strategic thinking, with that ongoing learning of reading the books, of listening to the audiobooks, of listening and deconstructing 
the podcast interviews of watching the documentaries of some of the greatest people in history, like the Elon Musk one that I just described earlier in this chat. It's with that consistent alpha state practice that we become more able to expand our thinking from just being focused on the threats that are fed to us in the media all the time to try to, or social media to capture and hold your attention to expanding your thinking and your peripheral thinking, especially to see the second threats. Like what are the other threats? What are we not considering? Right? So what it's COVID-19 times, but maybe I need to also consider this black lives matter thing, or maybe there's another huge opportunity that I'm, that I'm missing here. Like my, I just lost my job which I did, by the way, in the beginning parts of COVID, all of my public speaking disappeared. So what's the opportunity? Oh, well, you know what? Maybe there's this digital virtual speaking thing that we can do. And so when we expand our thinking, when we do the metacognition, when we think about how we think, when we do the strategic thinking, when we do the reflection and journaling and the learning, that's what opens up, I believe, so much more possibility for us to be able to access on a regular basis. So that's, you know, reading the books, watch the documentaries, do the journaling, practice the gratitude, um, have the conversations, do the strategic planning. And all of that, I think, is the next step, really, for being able to fundamentally change the way that you're approaching and executing on your life. And that's uh, made a huge difference for me in a number of different times. Uh, it's something we did really hardcore early on in the pandemic, which basically saved my career, frankly. <laughs> Um, and made a huge difference for our family. Like the reason why we're spending so much more time together as a family is because Judith and I had those conversations early on and uh, we're doing things differently now. It's a lot better. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about the, you know, the, the visioning and, and the ideal future and the, you know, three years out, five years out, those sorts of things reminded me of um, some of the work by Richard Boyatzis and Tony Jack, uh, Intentional Change Theory, and this has to do with um, coaching for in the coaching space, coaching for compassion versus coaching for compliance. Uh, and they did a bunch of studies showing that when we do the ideal self and the vision for the future and the three to five years and those sorts of stuff, it's underpinned by default mode network, parasympathetic nervous system activity and positive affect versus uh, task positive network, you know, the get shit done uh, state, negative affect, and sympathetic nervous system activity. And I was saying that in a coaching context, you need to spend so much more time in the positive emotional attractor state to um, for change to happen. And most times people are in the get shit done state, not the thinking about, you know, the ideal future and, and um, placing yourself in that future and doing that mental time travel just reinforces the idea that this is so important to do this stuff, the, the higher level thinking. I love that idea of mental time travel. Never heard of it like that before. It's cool. So you're sort of like taking yourself into the future and getting some detail around that and then coming back to the present, mm. which gives you the guideposts, right? Where you need to be going, what decisions you need to make. I spend a ridiculous amount of time planning. I probably spend too much time planning. Same. Honest, but like... <laughs> Yeah, I remember describing some to to a business audience once, like they're like, how do you do all of these things that you do? And I was like, well, once a year I go and I sit myself in a hotel for four days straight with a group of really epic people. And we deconstruct everything, plan our lives in great detail, pull in resources to help us do the things we need to do. And then we do that check-in once a quarter for another two days. So literally like two, four, six, 10 days a year, I'm in full on retreat to make sure I'm doing what I want to do and, and, and moving forwards. 
like you take 10 years and they were like, you take 10 days a year off to do this stuff. It's like, well, yeah, it's not off, but yes, I do. <laughs> um, it's a lot of time. And Judith and I most recently, like over the last three weeks have been spending probably two to three hours a night thinking about the future of what do we want to be doing as a family? What do we want our retirement to look at? What do we look like? What do we want our home to be like when we go back there in September? Uh, Cause we've been away for six months. Uh, like we've been just, it's, it just takes so much work and time to develop real clarity about what it is that you want to be doing. And I, I remember back to, you know, when I was working with Olympic level athletes, we would map out four year, the four year Olympic plan to the hour. And that's, that's, people think that's crazy, but literally like we need you swimming really fast on August 26th at 7 24 PM like that. And then we start from there and go backwards. Right. And so I guess maybe this is just sort of part of all of what I've grown up with is this long-term, very detailed planning. Obviously you course correct as you go, but it's worth taking the time to do that. It's worth journaling. It's worth drawing. It's worth having the conversations. Cause if you do that, at least you know where you want to go. And I think the vast majority of us allow life to happen to us rather than happening to life. And I, I would, I would much rather us all to be happening to life than the other way around. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I always say to my clients, look, you know, no matter what age they're at, look, you're going to hit 30. You can either hit 30 moving in the direction that you want to move or continuing to do the things that you are doing. You're going to hit 40. You're going to hit 50, you know, hopefully, <laughs> assuming that, you know, nothing happens. You're going to hit 60 and 70. I got two like, weeks to go to 50, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're almost right. there. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to hit that next stage and, and we can look back knowing that we've um, been taking actions, moving in the direction that we want to move in because we've had that long-term plan or we've had that vision, as you say, course correct as we go, or we can just, again, you know, let life happen to us. We're going to hit 50 you know, which, which version would we rather have <laughs> younger next year? Right. Like that's the whole idea. And yeah, I mean, it's coming and what version do you want to have? And it also sort of leads into this, the idea that we are far more in control than I think we give ourselves credit for. You know, we, we do have the ability to make changes. We do have the ability to do things differently if we choose to do that. It is not easy, it's very hard and requires some tough decisions and some sacrifices sometime. But, you know, if you want to pack up your things, put them in the basement, rent out your house and move across the country into the woods, you can do that, right? It's what we did back in November. It is possible to do that. It is not easy. It's not necessarily fun, but it is possible. If you asked me a year and a half ago, is that possible? I would have told you absolutely not. But that's just a self imposed limitation that wasn't real. I was just telling myself that because I lived in downtown Toronto, Canada, a city of three and a half million people. And I didn't think that my work could survive it. Well, guess what? Turns out it can. There are lots of possibilities for us that maybe, even though you don't think that it's possible, it might be worth like really deconstructing your perceived limitations and asking yourself the hard questions. Like, is that belief really true? And I'm going to guess that a lot of the time it may not be. And that the possibilities that exist are a lot more exciting and really, really accessible than we might actually give ourselves credit for. If that makes any sense. Mm, 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 absolutely. So what are the, what are the next steps? What are the next things that we want to be focusing on after 
Uh, we're getting good rest, good sleep. We're thinking about how we think. What's next? Well, I think the final one is really just around deliberately crafting a little bit of magic in our life. And we refer to these as gamma states. And that's where the entire brain becomes active at the same time. All of our senses are brought on board. All of our capabilities are brought on board. And it's really about just crafting peak flow, peak experiences. And peak experiences is sort of like flow plus meaning. meaning. So if you're in the zone, if you're in a flow state, doing something that is actually meaningful for you, art, music, drama, time with family, public speaking, whatever is meaningful to you and you're in a flow state doing it, that is what creates peak experience. That run where everything is easy or the dinner party where the conversation just flows Mm. or looking into the eyes of a loved one or seeing your child sing in a kindergarten concert or whatever it happens to be. Flow plus meaning yields peak experience. And the more peak experiences that we have in our life also referred to often as magic moments, right? Like standing on the beach, looking at the waves or watching the sunset or doing the hike in the woods with the sun coming through the trees or crushing the, you know, finally getting that business deal that you've been working on for so long or writing that book or crafting the piece of music, whatever it is, we have more of those magic moments in our life. That's what makes life worth living. And again, just like the other states, I think it's more accessible than we give ourselves credit for. When we're in a state of more energy, less tension, it becomes accessible. That comes from sleep, nutrition, exercise, mindset. When we are doing pursuits where we're where those people, places, and pursuits are meaningful to us, that also then gives us access to these different states. And then when we're in a place of compassion, love, and gratitude, that also gives us access to these magical states. So it's wildly positive. It's open. It's non-judgmental. And it's incredibly powerful for us and also for all the people around us who care about us and who we care about. So it's, again, worth taking a little bit of time to think through, you know, like, what do I love to do? Who are the people that I love to do things with? Where do I love to do those things? So those are you know, people, places, and pursuits that we love. What am I grateful for? Who do I need to have compassion for? Who do I love? What do I love? All those sorts of things. And the more time we spend thinking about that and crafting clarity around those ideas, the more we can very deliberately spend more time doing things we love to do in places where we love to do it with the people that we love to do those things with. And lo and behold, guess what's going to happen? A whole lot of fun. So I think that's really just sort of the final piece of the puzzle that the, the capstone of this conversation is to sort of getting into gamma more often, creating magic moments for yourself and for your loved ones. And we all need to do a lot more of that as the world opens back up again. Mm, absolutely. And uh, as we're coming to the end of the show, what's something that you would suggest to people now to take away and start putting into action? This is, you know, something that I'm, I'm really trying to push a lot lately, which is, you know, we get the information, we get the education, we get motivated, we get inspired, but then a lot of people don't take that next step. They don't actually action any of this stuff. So where would you suggest people start in terms of like, let's get something, let's put something into action here. Uh, One very simple idea, slow down to speed up. So give yourself permission. It's okay. Take a break, take a breath, read the book, go for the walk, listen to the music, give yourself permission to take a break, 
slow down. And it's that slowing down that ultimately opens up the possibility for speeding up. You'll get the time back. I promise you'll be more energized. You'll be more focused. You'll be more clear. You'll be more happy. You'll have more energy. Uh, but that idea of slowing down to speed up is just so, so critical right now, especially in an environment where so many of us are so deeply burned out, which is where we began the conversation. So a uh, neat little way to sort of join the beginning of the convo to the end of the convo. But yeah, slow down to speed up, give yourself permission, take the break, take a breath, go for the walk, listen to some music, read the book, create the art, whatever it happens to be. And and that's the that's the key. Beautiful. Guys, rest, refocus, recharge. Grab your copy. There is just absolute gold in this book. Greg, thanks very much for being on the show. Thanks, buddy. Great yeah, to, see, great you to see you again. Really appreciate it. All right, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed that show. Lots of info in there, lots of nuggets, lots of uh, really, I think, powerful insights that can make your life a lot better. Ramon's a great guy, super highly trained neuroscientist. So excited to go back and forth with him on a number of those issues and obviously share that all with you. So if you enjoyed that show, please share it with your network and uh, send me comments on social at Dr. Greg Wells. If you can leave a review on iTunes, I would be insanely appreciative of that. That helps us out so much. And we really hope that you are healthy and safe and that these episodes are helping you to elevate your life. So that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening in and we'll talk to you again really, really soon.